Hello, thank you for joining us for Market Sense. I'm Jim Armstrong with Fidelity. Inflation may finally be easing, markets are up tentatively, and bond prices continue to rise. Expectations seem to be such that if we do enter a recession, chances are it might be mild. However, of course, we've got ongoing concerns about the debt ceiling or job losses that are also certainly weighing on all of us as investors. So to talk about those things today, we've got a couple of fantastic guests. We'll be speaking with Naveen Malwalt. He's an institutional portfolio manager here at Fidelity with Strategic Advisors, the leading portfolio manager for many of our managed accounts. He's going to be sharing some insights into the latest world news, market conditions, and again, what they mean to us. And because January is Financial Wellness Month, we are extra excited to welcome Nancy Kwan to the show. She's Senior Vice President of Financial Wellness here at Fidelity. She's going to be giving us some insight from uh, on how to create a financial wellness plan that can help us feel financially whole. So lots of great stuff to talk about today. Thank you both for, for taking the time to be with us. Thanks, Jim. Happy to be here. Yeah, nice to be here. Um, Naveen, if we can, we'll start with you. It's, it's Tuesday, the 24th of January. And you know, as, as everyone's familiar with, 2022 packed uh, quite a punch for, for a lot of us, especially in terms of, of volatility in both stocks and bonds. We haven't had you on yet. You're, you're a friend of the show. You've been on several times, but we haven't had you yet in 2023. So we'd love to get your perspective uh, and what you're feeling as we, as we head into 23. Right. Bruising year last year for many investors. Seems like there's nowhere to hide if you're investing in traditional stocks and bonds, a lot of volatility, a down year. And those years can be discouraging for investors. Thinking back to other market corrections you've been through, it's natural to feel shy about getting excited about the markets or investing. Some of us might be tempted just to look away or to avoid things. However, I think the outlook is improving to some degree. One of the big concerns that was out there last year was inflation. It has seemed to be very high and persistent no matter what was happening with the Federal Reserve or interest rates. However, it seems of late we are starting to see a trend develop where inflation has been heading lower for a few months. That might be welcome news for both stock and bond investors. On top of that, I point to some other things that might help. And for the bond investors out there, yields went up quite a bit, went up quite a bit in bonds, which is why the prices fell, and that was painful. However, the level of yield we have available now for bond investors is very attractive, levels we haven't seen in about 15 years. So that could help investors get some nice income over the coming years. And for stock investors, we're still seeing a good job market out there, and that can support consumer spending, which in turn can support earnings for companies. So you put that all together, I wouldn't say things are, are rosy and clear again, but they feel less intense than they were a few months ago. I want to ask also, Naveen, your sense about where we are with regard to a potential recession. I mean, you, any one of us can, can read a story or see something on the news that would indicate we may already be in one or one is, is forthcoming or one might not come at all. What's, what's your sense of that, of the R word? Yeah, there's a big debate out there right now. And what we have found historically, it is practically impossible to predict when and if recessions will come. What's also been true is we tried to break down the economic cycle of different phases. And we think of the pre-recession phase as a late cycle expansion where the economy is still growing but at a slower pace. Historically, it turns out that stocks and bonds typically rise in that environment, which may surprise people, knowing that a recession is coming, why would stocks go up? But if you look back to the end of September 2022 through yesterday, S&P 500 stocks up about 12%. 
International stocks, MSCI World XUS, up over 20%, and bonds are up about 4%. That's almost full year's performance for those asset classes within a matter of three and a half months. So that's the kind of thing that can happen in this environment. So overall, my sense is for investors, try not to get too concerned or spooked or scared off by headlines because markets can rise until we get to something a bit more definitive on that front. And it doesn't really pay off to run for the exit because if nothing really pans out, then investors might wind up missing out on some returns. Great perspective there. I think you're exactly right. We we all of us get a little bit hyper-focused on the headlines and sometimes that's at the expense of, of, of the context and perspective that we need. So thank you for that. Nancy, we'd love to turn to you now. Again, first time on Market Sense, so thank you for being with us. Um, with with the the table that Naveen has set, the big picture concerns that a lot of us have, recession and and, and what the markets are doing, you know, boil down to our, our personal concerns. Like, is, is is my job safe? Is my partner's job safe? In the context of all of that swirl, right? What, what do you think it means to be financially well? And 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 what suggestions would you give us to to pay attention to our, our own financial wellness? Yeah, sure, Jim. Um, so. Maybe start with just what is financial wellness? We think yeah. about financial wellness is really about having a plan in place that helps you navigate all of the different life moments that come to you with more confidence. And that means having the right mindset, the tools, the, re- the, the resources to revisit and adjust as um, adjust your plans as things change. Yeah. And almost think of it as an ongoing journey to reach your short and long-term goals as you live so that really you can live the life and the lifestyle you want. And so- well, understanding your finances and your cash flow are one piece of the financial of your financial wellness. It also helps, we believe, to answer questions like, how do you feel about your money and your financial situation? We know so much about financial wellness. It has to do with both the head and the heart. And Naveen, as you mentioned, you know, we hear a lot of that in um, a lot of the research we do. In a recent 2023 New Year's resolution study that we did. Uh, we found that many Americans are feeling less than optimistic about the year ahead. No surprise, uh, no, more than one third of respondents said they're feeling like they're in a worse financial situation than they were last year. The biggest setback being inflation, as we mentioned. And in fact, 44% of those said they had to dip into their emergency fund because of it. Um, but Navid, similar to what you said, there are some positives though. Uh, you know, We know that Nearly one third of those respondents declared 2023 to be the year of living sensibly, which we love to hear, with two thirds saying they want to improve their financial health. So all of that to say is when it comes to financial wellness, we want to think about the basics as building blocks Mm -hmm. and those things like balancing your saving and your spending, paying down debt, starting an emergency savings fund, um, and then planning for what's next. Once you've got those basics down, you could start to layer in additional goals and, and get a little bit fancy from there. Good. I want to get fancy in just a couple of minutes. There's, I have a ton of questions to ask you about wellness. But before we do, I want to, to just have Naveen dig a little bit deeper on a theme that you just started to mention there, this idea of, of debt, right? You talked about household debt, my, my budget and, and, and the expenses coming out of my house. But a lot of people watching or listening right now are concerned about government debt, Naveen. There's a lot of, of concern about the U.S. debt ceiling. We're seeing that in the news. Is that something that, that you're worried about? So I am worried about it as a citizen, as a voter, as an investor, it's something that I believe may lead to some short-term volatility. But historically, what we have seen in these kinds of situations is that markets do wobble a bit 
but there doesn't seem to be a long-term impact. It can be stressful to hear these discussions. They will linger, right? In this case, it seems like they might linger for several months into the summer before there's a resolution. And we might see some bombastic statements from different parties involved with these conversations. So it, it won't be easy. However, having said that, looking back to prior times, it does seem like these situations tend to resolve themselves after a while because neither party wants to get stuck being known as the one that caused a debt default at the end of the day. So, so knowing that, what, if anything, can, can you say investors could or should do in the meantime as we're waiting for what could be you know, a months-long process to play out? Right. So looking back, right, we went through situations like this in 2018 and 2013 and 2011. In fact, in 2011, there was a, a rating decrease on the government debt from the S&P Credit Rating Agency. And that led to some volatility in the stock market. But by the and that was in August of that year. By the end of that year, that volatility has subsided and stocks have recovered. So if we get kind of a, a nastier situation here, it seems to be relatively short-term in nature. And the other thing is normally we haven't even gotten to that point. Normally there's a resolution before that. So, you know, I, I've heard one of my colleagues here at work talk about betting on the end of the world normally is not a great investment strategy. Um, right. So as much as things might feel gloomy. More often than not, they kind of move in the direction that kind of makes sense for most of us at the end of the day. So even if we get something happening, I wouldn't personally be looking to do anything here in terms of trying to time this thing based on news headlines. That might be next to impossible. So it's a tough one. But in this case, I think just kind of putting this aside and focusing on some of the things Nancy's talked about, right? That long-term perspective. Do you have enough what you need? Are you taking care of your basic needs and your gross needs? I think that focus will be more important for investors than the political football happening down in Washington. Yeah, I completely agree. And so that's a perfect segue to Nancy to the to the handful of questions that we have that we have lined up for you around this idea of financial wellness. Um, just a moment ago, you were talking about thinking of it as sort of a, a, of building blocks of pieces you can put together. So I, I'd love it if you could just talk a little bit more about about what you see as those blocks. Yeah, happy to, Jim. So when we think about the basics, we think about these categories like debt, savings, spending, and investing. So since we're on the debt topic, let's start with debt. So paying down debt, excuse me, is one of those building blocks to financial wellness, as we said. And let's face it, many people have debt that comes from lots of different places, whether it's student loans, credit cards, auto loans, just to name a few. But understandably, trying to juggle all of those things at once can absolutely feel overwhelming. So instead, like we'd love to just maybe think about financial wellness almost as a game board, right? The steps, there's steps you can take to get you closer to where you want to be to traverse the board, if you will, or complete the game or in, in, in real places, achieve your goal. Tackling these things one step at a time can help break down this, your financial to-do list into more manageable parts. So back to debt. So when it comes to debt, the trick is to pay down your balances while also trying to build up a savings for emergency fund and other financial priorities. And so what are some key ways to do this? First, we want to make sure that we're making at least the minimum payment on all debts and make sure we're paying those on time. Missing payments can lead to late fees, compounding interest rates, and it can quickly spiral out, out of control. And then even in extreme cases lead to bankruptcy. So keeping our debts in good standing will protect your credit score and keep you on path. Once you're able to meet those minimums, the next step is to start to build your reserves. 
we suggest you start by saving up an initial cash buffer to give you some breathing room, trying to aim for either $1,000 or one month's rent or a month's mortgage payment, whichever is greater. That way, if life throws you a curveball, you are able to stay on track quickly. Uh, and then maybe another thing to think about is, you know, think about any low-hanging financial fruit. So an exam example of this could be bumping up your 401k or other workplace retirement savings plan. You know, contributing parts of your paycheck to take advantage of any matching dollars that your employer provides. Uh, you know, an employer's match is essentially free money. So not taking advantage of that feels a little bit like leaving money on the table. Um, and the only caveat with that I would mention is, you know, some employers do require a vesting period. So it's important to take a look at your individual situation to see what, what might work. Um, and then lastly, just because we are talking about retirement, always a good idea to check in on how you're invested in your workplace plan, taking advantage of the, those benefits available to you. And, you know, maybe like as a, you know, a gem there is that you might have some flexibility to invest in a broader range of investments than you might think that can help you set your path to reach your, your goals. So those yeah. are just amazing. Got to ask the questions to, to find out the answers. That's very, and I, I really like that idea of a game board. If, if nothing else, it just helps you figure out the process, right? And the sequence. Right. So, so after basics though, what, what would you suggest comes, comes next? Yeah. So then we start to kind of layer in more complexity, as we said. So the next would be to look at your credit card balances. When you're able, start shipping away and paying more than your monthly minimums. Eliminating this debt is so important because you don't want to get stuck on that high interest treadmill. If you're carrying a balance on more than one card, you definitely want to focus on paying off those higher interest rate cards first, followed by the second highest and so on. We call this the, the debt avalanche method. For those who are done paying off those cards, congratulations, that's great. You'll want to continue to try to stay on top of that by paying your full balance every single month. Um, so when you're done with that, the next one would be to think about that emergency savings we just talked about. So what if you've got your $1,000 or your month's rent set aside, now it's a good time to think about, if you can, broaden that into a broader goal. So a good goal is to start saving at least three to six months worth of essential expenses. You'll also want to kind of keep that savings in cash so you have easy access to that. Now, some folks might say, wow, that sounds like a lot to keep in cash. Yeah. I think the key to remember is like, this is your safety net. <clears throat> it helps protect you from having to go back to your credit cards. If something unexpected happens like a job loss or you've got an emergency car repair, those are all the types of things you want to be thinking about. Um, and then really, you know, just like Marcus, as we talked about, as Naomi mentioned, you know, your own financial situation can be cyclical. There are times you're going to feel like you've done all the things we've talked about. You're feeling great. You're on track. And then life happens, right? Whether you've purchased a home, you've added a family member, or maybe you're even weighing the options of caregiving of a loved one. Mm -hmm. It's always good to take some time to do a reset almost think of it as your annual financial fitness checkup and asking yourself and the, the folks you plan with, you know, have you, have your goals changed? Are you on track to reach those goals? Are you up to date on your debt pay down strategy? Those are the types of things you just always want to be thinking about and checking in on your own financial wellness journey will really help set you up with those good financial habits and set you up really nicely for the long run. I want to also increase the the degree of difficulty just a little bit if I could because I know you get you must get this question a ton because we hear it a lot it's this idea of how to prioritize debt and how to prioritize spending maybe I've got 
uh, you know, still a decade ahead of me in student loans to pay for, and I can't figure out how to save for a house or, you know, just barely, I've got my emergency fund set up. When do I start thinking about, you know, long-term planning, investing, saving for retirement? How do you help people get their heads around that? Yeah, absolutely, Jim. I think, you know, once you've got those bases, as we said, and things start to get more complex, we'd probably, again, revisit those same categories. So if you have, first off, if you still have debt, whether that's student loans, auto, or home, uh, home mortgage, or home equity loan, start comparing those interest rates and, and really compare it to the, we call it the 6% rule. That is trying to get rid of loans with an interest rate that's over 6%. This strategy can help you decide those trade-offs, right? Whether your next priority should be paying down that remaining debt or perhaps investing those additional dollars towards retirement. Um, another goal to think about is then bumping up your retirement contributions if and when you're able to. Ultimately, you should aim to have 15% of your pre-tax income toward retirement each year. But if you're not quite there yet, that's okay. Even small changes like a 1% annual boost makes a huge difference in the long run. And as you think about retirement savings, you know it is really helpful to think about all the various tax advantage opportunities available to you by your employer, and, and really start to think about those habits that you can start to take advantage of over time. Um, so, you know, we talked about debt, we talked about retirement savings, we talked to an emergency fund. And if you're on track to all of those things, you're doing fabulous. You can start setting aside extra money for other goals, whether that's saving for your college, uh, your child's college education, planning for that dream vacation, paying off other remaining debts. The goals and your path to reach them, of course, are unique to you and don't necessarily have rules. But I think just having that opportunity to like always do that reset and start to layer in that complexity is great. And then I think, you know, I think the other thing to think about is, you know, if you're not already working with a financial professional and you've kind of gotten to this point where you do have a lot of different complexities and trade-offs, it's a great time to consider bringing them, bringing in some professional help to make sure you've got the you know, you've got that bit of reassurance to make sure you're on track to help you navigate all of those kind of more complex areas of your financial wellness journey. I so appreciate the idea that there, there are no hard and fast rules, right? I mean, you can mix and match and do it in the order that makes sense to you in your unique situation. That's, that's really helpful. Thank you for that, Nancy. Hey, Naveen, before we go, just one more question for you, again, sort of building on something that Nancy just touched on there when she was discussing uh, rainy day savings in case of something like an unexpected job loss. Really, we probably should be talking uh, at, the, at the macro level about the job markets, more companies announcing layoffs in the news. Unfortunately, I mean, I think we're, we're hearing about them just about every day. What's your sense of, of what we should be making of what's happening in the larger jobs market? Mm -hmm. Yeah, jobs are a sensitive topic, right? I myself have been through a layoff before, so I can appreciate the anxiety that surrounds it. And when we see these headlines coming in seemingly every day, another company announcing a few hundred here, a few thousand here, it can feel like everyone's losing their jobs. But I think keeping the number in context as a starting point may be helpful, right? So let's say you read a headline that company X laid off 10,000 workers. That is a lot of individuals and families affected by that, and perhaps even a community affected by that. So I don't want to dismiss it. At the same time, there are 160 million jobs here in the US. So you put those two numbers next to each other, 10,000 is a fraction of a percentage point when it comes to the overall employment number here. So I would say two things. One, 
pay attention to what's happening, right? It's not, I'm not here to say that it's not important. It doesn't matter. It does matter. It is important. Yet at the same time, let's not presume that we're seeing a crisis emerging just because we're seeing some big companies announcing layoffs. Overall, the job market here is very deep and it's not just tied to a handful of companies you might read about in the news. Yeah, so where are we sort of big big picture? Because I think you're exactly right. I'm To, to lose your job or to be laid off can be, will be a crisis for many people, but in, in the terms of the whole economy, uh, it's not maybe as bad as the headlines make us think at the moment. That is correct, Jim. And on the visual you're able to see right now, we can see that the level of jobless claims is still quite low here in the US. We're not seeing a big pickup in folks filing for unemployment. And this visual goes back nearly 60 years. And actually, this is an unemployment rate visual, excuse me. And looking at this 60-year view, the unemployment level is near, near its all-time low over the last 60 years. So we're not looking at a, a situation where unemployment is getting to a level where I'm feeling overly concerned just yet. And again, it should be, actually, I should have said 70 years, not 60 years, going back to 1952. Now, typically, what we'll see on average, unemployment is right around 5.8% over the long run, going back to 1952, currently is sitting at three and a half percent. So not only is it not at an alarming level, it's well below average, which is a very strong job market. When there is a recession, unemployment typically has been in the 6% range on average, and it has gone higher than that. So not only are we not close to average unemployment, we're not anywhere close to average recession unemployment either. What I'm looking to see before I respond more to this is a more meaningful kind of nationwide pickup in the unemployment rate or on jobless claims. So if the unemployment rate were to go up by, say, half a percentage point or more, that to me is a signal of a meaningful change in the job market. And that might tilt things more into a narrative of perhaps a recession is evolving. I'm not seeing that at this point. And as I said earlier, until you get to a recession, stocks and bonds typically can continue to rise. I wouldn't look at these headlines and say to myself, whoops, I better get out of this market. It could be that this, we see some uncomforting, dis, uncomfortable headlines around jobs, but it doesn't necessarily mean a recession is definitely here. And it doesn't necessarily mean that the market is definitely going to correct. Another great example, again, of, of looking at the headlines, but through the context of the much larger picture. So, so thank you for that. And Nancy, thank you as well. Um, to, our, to our viewers, we'd, we'd love to hear from you and get your thoughts on this particular episode of Market Sense. It's a slightly different one for us. We covered a new topic, financial wellness. So if you happen to be watching on Fidelity's website, you'll find a quick survey just underneath this video. If you could take a moment or two to fill it out and let us know what you think, and also uh, tell us potentially any other topics that you think might be of interest to you in the future, we'd really appreciate that. Again, a real quick survey, um, and it's only available to those who happen to be watching this webcast right now uh, on Fidelity's website. As always, uh, if you've got questions about making a financial plan or staying on track with the one you've had for a while, Fidelity can help. You can always head to our website or, or visit our app on our mobile device or give us a call. Again, huge thanks to, to Naveen and to Nancy for taking time to be with us today. Thank you all for watching, and we'll see you here next week.
Information presented herein is for discussion and illustrative purposes only and is not a recommendation or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Views expressed are as of the date indicated based on the information available at that time and may change based on market and other conditions. Unless otherwise noted, the opinions provided are those of the speakers and not necessarily those of Fidelity Investments or its affiliates. Fidelity does not assume any duty to update any of the information. This podcast is intended for U.S. persons only and is not a solicitation for any Fidelity product or service. This podcast is provided for your personal non-commercial use and is the copyrighted work of FMR LLC. You may not reproduce this podcast in whole or in part in any form without the permission of FMR LLC. To the extent any investment information in this material is deemed to be a recommendation, it is not meant to be impartial investment advice or advice in a fiduciary capacity and is not intended to be used as a primary basis for you or your client's investment decisions. Fidelity and its representatives may have a conflict of interest in these products or services mentioned in this material because they have a financial interest in them and receive compensation directly or indirectly in connection with the management, distribution, or servicing of these products or services, including Fidelity funds, certain third-party funds and products, and certain investment services. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. You cannot invest directly in an index. Diversification and or asset allocation do not ensure a profit or protect against loss. Stock markets are volatile and can fluctuate significantly in response to company, industry, political, regulatory, market, or economic developments. Investing in stock involves risks, including the loss of principal. Foreign markets can be more volatile than U.S. markets due to increased risks of adverse issuer, political, market, or economic developments, all of which are magnified in emerging markets. These risks are particularly significant for investments that focus on a single country or region. In general, the bond market is volatile and fixed income security securities carry interest rate risk. As interest rates rise, bond prices usually fall and vice versa. This effect is usually more pronounced for longer term securities. Fixed income securities also carry inflation risk, liquidity risk. Fixed income securities also carry inflation risk, liquidity risk, call risk, and credit and default risks for both issuers and counterparties. Lower quality fixed income securities involve greater risk of default or price changes due to potential changes in the credit quality of the issuer. Foreign investments involve greater risks than U.S. investments and can decline significantly in response to adverse issuer, political, regulatory, market, and economic risks. Any fixed income securities sold or redeemed prior to maturity may be subject to loss. Fidelity Wealth Services provides non-discretionary financial planning and discretionary investment management through one or more portfolio advisory services accounts for a fee. Advisory services offered by Fidelity Personal and Workplace Advisors, LLC, FPWA, a registered investment advisor. Discretionary portfolio management services provided by Strategic Advisors, LLC, Strategic Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Brokerage services provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, FBS, and custodial and related services provided by National Financial Services, LLC, NFS, each a member NYSE and SIPC. FPWA, FBS, and NFS are Fidelity Investments Companies. Fidelity does not provide legal or tax advice. The information herein is general and educational in nature and should not be considered legal or tax advice. Consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific situation. Personal and workplace investment products are provided by Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC, 900 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917.